Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus. So we have two scripture readings today. The first is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, 42 to 44. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. In the 15th year of the reign of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod the ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Licinius ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The word of God for the people of God. If you haven't already done so, I'd ask that at this time you take out those friendship pads, uh, the black pads that are in your pew, and fill them out and pass them out. It just helps us to make sure that we're staying connected. And now let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a kid, I loved Christmas specials. I remember waiting and anticipating and and seeing the commercials leading up to them. And this night, Thursday night or Sunday night, it usually seemed at 8 o'clock, was when one of the shows was going to be. It was Frosty the Snowman or Santa Claus coming to town or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and how the Grinch stole Christmas. And sometimes, if we were lucky enough, they had two in a row. I love the Grinch. I love how he uh, steals everything. And I love how it's the little girl who offers him grace. And how he hears the singing and he realizes that Christmas is not about the food and the presents. But I really like how he slithers in. <laughs> right? And I love how it's, it's punctuated, all the, the little sounds, the little plink plinks of the, the stockings and the, the balls and all of that stuff as he just, you know, takes it all back and he puts it in his sleigh and he just goes because he has really uh, no understanding of what Christmas is really about and how he does this when the families have no idea what's going on. He's only caught by little uh, Susie Lou Who. Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Thanks. Cindy Lou Who, who is not more than two. Thank you. But he's so sneaky, right? The Grinch is so sneaky the way he comes in and, and, he, and he slithers around. And you know what? 
Sneakiness is really what Christmas is all about. Hang in with me for a minute. You may have noticed that I do not preach about the rapture. I'm not in my four and a half years. I've never given a sermon about the rapture. I don't ascribe to the theology that God is coming back one day and we have to look busy in order to be chosen, right? That, that idea that some will uh, be taken up, those who are nice, and some will be left behind, those who are naughty, and uh, it plays right along with Santa Claus. The good are rewarded, the bad are punished. When I was, or no, I have a friend who when she was a kid, um, she went to a church that did talk about the rapture, and in fact, they watched these film strips uh, that kind of prepared them for it. And one day she came home from school, and no one was at home. And she was sure that it was the rapture, and she'd been left behind. It just happened that her parents were out in the backyard cleaning up the yard. Um, See, that's why I'm not a big rapture person, uh, theologian, because there's no grace in it. Plus, it's not really biblical. But the Bible does have apocalyptic texts from Revelation, from Daniel, other prophets, and spots in the gospel Now, the Bible dictionary I turn to when I want to get really technical, and so I'm going to give you their technical definition of apocalyptic uh, literature. The apocalyptic books report mysterious revelations that are mediated by angels and disclose a supernatural world. They are characterized by a focus on eschatology, the theology of end times, which often includes cosmic transformation and involves the judgment of the dead. You see, apocalyptic texts are sneaky. When you read them, what they say isn't really what they're about. In simpler language, Nadia Bowles-Weber says, apocalyptic texts are, were often code for speaking about the world, the world the people at the time lived in. They were a way for people in politically dangerous situations to speak the truth about power. They were more commentary than prediction, and yes, Nadia writes, they are disturbing texts, but partly because they represent a genre we just aren't familiar with. Now, the first of our scriptures that James read today is an apocalyptic scripture. It's from Matthew. It's an apocalyptic text. Matthew says that Jesus is coming to us like a thief in the night. Now he's speaking to a Jewish audience and he's telling them and us to be ready because we don't know when Jesus will come, but there is hope because he will come. So get busy. So how do we know when he comes? We don't. And we don't like not knowing. And really that's what Advent is all about, a time of wondering, of not knowing, of of waiting and planning except that the reality is we can't fully plan for Jesus to come because we don't know when just like the people the Hebrews who were waiting for the Messiah they didn't know when but we can prepare and that's where the second scripture comes from today It's about John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist, we all know he wore camel skin and he went out in the desert and he ate locusts and he screamed and he yelled and people thought, who is this guy? And he was Jesus' cousin. And he went out into the the desert 
to get people ready for the coming of Christ. And he said, he yelled, and he said, thunder in the desert, prepare God's arrival, make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch will be filled in, every bump smoothed out, the detours straightened out, all the ruts paved over, everyone will be there to see the parade of God's salvation. What does that mean? We prepare for Jesus by making things better, smoothing out the roughness in the world, leveling out the valleys, and bringing down the mountains. It means equality. It means caring for others. It means working for equity, doing the work that eliminates poverty, leveling out the power disparities throughout the world, bringing about the kingdom of earth the way that God intended on earth as it is in heaven. This is why we do more for others at Christmas because it's how we prepare for Christ to come. And so we sponsor families and we give to charities and we give extra to the church in the month of December to make sure that we finish and fill out our budget and do all of the ministry that we need to do because we're a little behind right now, but I'm just going to say that. Let's remember. (laughs) But the reality is when we do these things, when we prepare in that way, Christ will come. Like the Grinch, a thief in the night, come to us, steal from us. Steal from us. Our pain and our fear and our uncertainty and our loneliness and our helplessness and our anxiety and our hunger and our thirst and our self-loathing and even other things things that we don't want him to steal, though we might not want to admit it. Our desire for more, our materialism, our greed, our thoughts of me first. Nadia Bowles-Weber says, perhaps during Advent, a season with pornographic levels of consumption in which our credit card debts rise and our waistbands expand, the idea that Jesus wants to break in and jack some of our stuff is really good news. There's just a whole lot of crap in my house, literally and metaphorically, that I could do without. Christ comes to steal from us that he might save us from ourselves, from our culture, from our misconceptions about God and God's will. Now, I don't know about you, but at this time of year, I've got about 15,000 different lists. Um, In fact, when I was at Michael's shopping, I saw they had these pads, these list pads, and some said groceries, and others said Christmas gifts, and others said prepare for Christmas, and I bought all of them. (laughs) Because I like lists, and they help me, especially as I'm getting ready for my open house, you know? I cross everything off, and it's great. Well, Nadia suggests that we make lists as part of our uh, preparation, and I don't think that that's what she has in mind. In fact, I know it isn't. She's not talking about our what do we want from Santa list and what uh, gifts we have to buy and what things we have to do um, in order for Christmas to happen. She's talking about Advent lists, lists of what we want Christ to break in and take from us. Think about that for a minute. What might be on your Advent list? What would you like 
God to break in and steal from you? Are you tired? Are you lonely? Are you afraid? Are you worried? Are you trying to make ends meet or trying to figure out what the future holds? Maybe there are things that God can take, can steal. And the other list is, what, are, uh, what things do you want to do in order to make the world better? How can you be preparing so much so that your preparation becomes second nature, so that you're always doing and making the world better? What are the things that you can put on your list you can do now to prepare for Christ. Because when we prepare in such a way, it does become second nature. So much so that we are caught off guard when we see Christ, when we meet Christ, when Christ comes to us because it's often in the doing of Christ's work that we encounter Christ. And he breaks in unexpectedly, stealing from us and giving us joy and hope, replacing all of that that he has come to steal with his great love and presence. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.